This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. I have no idea why they're clapping. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Stevens Point and in the Fox Valley and all those who are at home still and watching us all over the world on the internet. Let's recite to the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You all may be seated. Good to have you here with us this morning. And good morning to those in our campuses, our church family over in Appleton and the Fox Valley. Good to have everybody here uh, today. Uh, before we go any further, we want to pause to uh, take our offering. We've been doing this virtually, by and large, where people can give online. There's several ways you can give. One is you can uh, go to our website and give there. A lot of people watching us online uh, are on our website. Or you can uh, use your app, your phone. You know, where, oh, my phone's down there. <laughs> give me my phone. Isn't that terrible? Panic goes through you for a split second. <laughs> I don't have my phone! Just relax. Good night. Those things have us possessed. And I am nervous because I don't have my phone. But anyway, uh, you can give by texting to this number, 77977. So that's the little number you're going to type to, 77977. And then CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin. And then the dollar amount. Another way is by giving through the app on the phone, which is actually easier. The problem is if you go search for your Celebration Church app, there's like 30 Celebration Churches on there. So uh, how are we going to make that clear? I just typed Celebration Church. You can search the app, Celebration Church Wisconsin, and it'll pull up the right one. The way you can tell is if you have the right logo. which apparently we don't even have around here anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, try and figure it out. Uh, and you can give that way. A lot of people still uh, mailing in their checks or giving on the way out of the service uh, at our campuses and uh, all of that. 
Uh, I want to appreciate, uh, thank you and be sure to say how much we appreciate your financial support through uh, this insanity that we've been living through in 2020, the year from hell. And, uh, but uh, anyway, it's just been nuts. You've been faithful. Uh, I have, Bishop Ed pointed out, you said the last six, seven weeks, the offerings are starting to tick down. I don't think it's that people are uh, giving up on us by any means. I don't believe that at all. Uh, it takes a while for things to have effect. And it's very likely that people have less money now because of the shutdowns that happened several months ago. And, you know, so anyway, those of you who can, if you just be willing to step up a bit and help us to uh, maintain, we would certainly appreciate that. All right. So that's our offering. Um, election day has, has come and gone. And to everyone's shock and amazement, God is still on the throne. I didn't see that coming. The gospel is still alive. There's still forgiveness available to all who will ask. The Spirit of God is still here to empower people's lives. Now, we're still not quite sure what the heck happened. And uh, <laughs> just tighten your seatbelt and hang on. And, uh, and whoever wins, it's, it's going to be crazy for a while. Anyone who thinks that this is all now over and everyone's going to love and kiss each other is a bit delusional and been dipping into the communion wine. All right, so it's, it's going to be rough for a while. Uh, we are citizens of an eternal land. We have to keep reminding ourselves. Uh, we do the best we can here, and that's hard to do. But we always have to remember, this is not our home. We're just passing through this place. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. All right, now, as Pastor Keith mentioned in the announcements, oh, by the way, it's nice to see my daughter-in-law, Kirsty. Where is she here? Is she here this morning? I don't know. Hi, sweetie. She's adorable with her South African accent. That, um, I'm just going to pick on her just a little because I think it's hilarious. Uh, she was talking about the women's extravaganza and how they're looking for people to host, hostessing. But then she slipped the second time. You said hostessing, which is, which is very South African. And her mom used to say that all the hostessing. Well, the first time she said that, what is, what is that, the act of being a hoe? I didn't know what that was. But, uh, <clears throat> but apparently that's how they say hostessing in South Africa. So she did it right the first time. Give her a hand for that. Yes. <laughs> and she's going to punch me after the service. All right. So uh, what was I talking about? Oh, Keith, Pastor Keith was talking about uh, mission. So we're going to take just another minute. Relax. You've survived Tuesday. I'm sure you can handle another offering. Uh, this is our special offering for missions. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want everybody to pick up their phone. I would love to, but I can't. Give me my phone. I'm going crazy here. That's right. Right there. I need a prop. Okay, everybody pick up your phone. Most of you have done this already. So we're going to send another text this time. All right? And this is to... Seven seven nine seven seven. Everybody over there in Point, pay attention. Fox Valley, do it too. Seven seven nine seven seven. That's what we're sending a message to. All right, and then in the message box, CCWI, and then the dollar amount. I'm popping in my dollar amount here, and then you have to type the word missions. Now here's the thing. The computer doesn't know what you wanted to say. 
It only knows what you said. So missions is M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S. If you do M-I-S-I-O-N-S, nothing will happen. If you type M-I-S-S-O-N-S, missions, nothing will happen. So it has to be CCWI space. Is everyone doing this? I see you looking at your phones. God bless you. The rest of you slackers, ignoring me. CCWI space. You have to put a space. It's just the rule. The dollar amount, another space. We need an easier version of this, I'm telling you. And then the word missions. Now, for the dollar, everybody do something, even if it's just a dollar. Last month I said, just type in 25 cents. Then it crashed because it won't take 25 cents. So you have to do a dollar. All right, this is for missions, reach, outreach, sharing the gospel and helping people all over the world, our, uh, uh, the children that we support, the missionaries that we support, at least a dollar. Hopefully you can do a lot more than that, but at least do that. C-C-W-I space. 10,000 space. <laughs> and the word missions, spelled properly, and send. Ta-da! I did it. All right. I can have my phone back. <laughs> she was looking at her phone, so she wasn't paying attention. Okay. All right. Let us move on. Today's message, we are looking into the Old Testament, Joshua, the 24th chapter, starting in verse 14. Now, what's happening here is last week we talked about how Moses now had died. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land uh, because of his disobedience. Seems rather minor to us, but when God is talking to you face to face, you need to take notes. All right, so he messed up, couldn't go in the promised land. Now Joshua is the next in charge, and he's leading them. They come to the promised land, and what do they say? Uh, Joshua the 24, verse 14. He tells the people, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord is what he's telling them. But if the serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, and make no mistake, there are a lot of people who serving the Lord is extremely undesirable to them. He said, well, then choose for yourselves, let's say, whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, your, that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, this is the classic verse for manliness and being a man in a home. He says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a man's man, and he knew to stand up for... And I love, he didn't check with his household. <laughs> Be as nice as you can, but at some point, you still got a man up, right? Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All right, so now, he's telling them to choose as they go into the promised land. Now, Moses really had just said the same kind of thing just before he died... Uh, uh, if I got the timeline right, and then he dies, and then Joshua basically says to him, hey, you got to choose. Let's look at what Moses said. This is in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verse 15. Moses says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Pretty clear choices here. Life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands decrees and laws, then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. 
But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Live, destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess if you don't choose the right way. So this day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And the people are going, yeah, life, death, huh? I'm not quite sure which way we should go with that. So then Moses has to say this, choose life. Seriously, you have to tell them. Now, this is not an abortion message. This is just choose life following God. He's got to tell them. Here's life and death. Here's my advice. Choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land. He swore to uh, your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So whether they've come to this point after coming out of Egypt, they got stuck in the wilderness for 40 years because they were so stubborn. Finally, they go in, and the message, last message from Moses and the beginning message of, of Joshua, you need to make a choice. Let's choose this. And you couldn't have been more clear of the choices. Again, you would think people, even to this day, would see the clear choices, but they struggle, and many still choose the wrong thing. Uh, choosing is at the center of the Christian experience. It's at the center of the faith experience, all right? You we, we have to choose to believe in Christ, all right? You have to choose to ask Christ into your life. You choose to turn away from your former life and choose to walk in a new life. This is everything about faith. Thank you for shutting those doors, you guys. Yeah, you got those blinding lights staring at me. And I have this tension span of a fly. Thank you. Give them a hand for closing the door. I'm sorry. I am who I am. Anyway, uh, but there's another choice. We know about choosing God and choosing faith and choosing to surrender to him and choosing to turn away. It's called repenting. Repenting is you're going one direction and you said, I'm going to go another direction. We repent. And these are all choices that we make. But there's another choice that many believers never seem to quite get. And that's what I really want to talk about today, is about choosing wisdom. Now we read, there's all kinds of verses throughout the Bible that talk about the importance of wisdom. Uh, one of the best ones is in Proverbs, the third chapter. I think the second chapter as well gets it. And there's all kinds of stuff. It's a very interesting read. I'd encourage you to read it. But I just want to jump, jump in at verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For if she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold, she's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And this is the really amazing verse here. Verse 16, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. This pretty much sums up the human experience. Virtually everybody, even those who don't want faith, still desire a long life, and by implication, a healthy long life, 
and riches and honor. Not that everybody becomes famous uh, or is insanely wealthy, but I mean, there's more than you need. Everybody wants that and they want to live a life that people look up to as an honorable life. This is the essence of the desire of the human experience. Long life, riches and honor. And what the writer is telling us here, Solomon, he says, if you get a hold of wisdom, that's what you get. Because she has, it refers to her in a female version, but she has life, long life, and riches in honor in her hands. Now, what is wisdom? Stop and think about this for a minute. It's the ability to know right from wrong. If you're wise, you can just, you know right from wrong. Uh, it's the ability to know how to decide Correctly, people have been struggling about decisions they have to make politically or any other way. Wisdom helps you to do that. It's the ability to know which road to take. We all come to forks in the road, right? There's forks everywhere. Which way do I go? What decision do I make? How do I decide? What school do I go to? What, where do I work? What do you know? Do you know? Should I marry this idiot? Should I marry the other idiot? All this stuff that goes through your head. It's the ability to discern the good from the bad. It's the ability to know the best path out of many to take. In short, it's just the ability to know what to do. Now, stop and think about this. And it's this former verse about long life and riches and honor makes sense if you always know the right thing to do, right? If you know the right thing to do, you have a long, healthy life, like, you don't put firecrackers in, in your teeth and light them. Okay, that is a bad day, although the dentist in the congregation will be happy if you do that because it brings them more money. But I'm just teasing. Uh, you know, uh, if you know, if you always know, wouldn't you love to know, always know the right thing to do? Now, this isn't one thing that happens overnight. This takes a long time. I'll tell you something I wish I'd have known back in, what was it, the 70s or whatever? Maybe it was the 80s. I, don't, I wish I'd have bought $1,000 worth of stock in Apple. Because all those guys who did turned into multi-millionaires. And, you know, well, if we had a time machine, I'd really soak it up, baby. <laughs> go to all, all to the good moves. There's something about being filled with wisdom. People who are filled with wisdom always seem to know the right thing to do. That's why the Bible encourages, listen, Solomon says of all these things, man, if you got anything, choose wisdom. And Solomon is speaking from personal experience. I want to read where God comes to Solomon uh, when he first becomes king. And uh, 2 Chronicles, the first chapter, the Chronicles are the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. It's two big, very long history books. But anyway, so Solomon, David, King David dies Solomon, his son, is now taking the throne. Uh, and in verse 7, it says, That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, this is the only time in the Bible that we ever see anything at this level. This is essentially the genie in a bottle moment where God himself says, Ask whatever you want from me, and I'll give it to you. Man, what would you even do with that? You know, I thought of if I ever got to make one wish, my first wish would do have more wishes. But I don't think it works that way. 
So when he gets this thing where God comes to him, ask for whatever you want. And then Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to my, to David, my father. And now you've made me king in this place, in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed for you have made me king over a people who as as numerous as the dust of the, of the earth. This is what he asks for. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Talk about a pure heart, particularly at this point in his life. He eventually gets a little wacky and uh, that's another story. But at this point, he is like, what a heart. I wouldn't think of this in five lifetimes. (laughs) Uh, Just tell me what to do. Let me know what to do so I can always make the right decision. Because once you do that, what do you have? Long life and riches and honor. And God says to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth, which you know most people would have asked for wealth, possessions or honor, nor for the death of your enemies to get back at so-and-so. And since you have not asked for a long life, you didn't even ask for that, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I've made you king, therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. According to the Bible, at this point, Solomon becomes the wealthiest and most successful man in the history of the world. No one else has ever come close. The wealth of Solomon is unbelievable. The country, you know, we got all these crazy politicians, you know, and you just got to decide which one's less crazy than the other. But they all kind of bump around in the dark trying to make the right decisions. Can you imagine having a political leader who always knew the perfect thing to do. Neither can I. All right. But that's what happens. And as a result, Israel prospers insanely. You talk about a run on the stock market. This is known as Israel's golden age. Everybody is making out like a bandit. They're not waiting around for PPE checks. You know what I'm saying? They are all making bank. Fat stacks. <laughs> What's the name of that show? Breaking Bad. Don't watch it, it's terrible, but, but I just watched it. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, fat stacks, man, let's make some fat stacks. These guys were making out like crazy. And it is Israel's golden age. Wealth is being generated at a rate that no one has, had ever seen and no one has ever seen since that day. God bless Donald Trump, but his was not the best economy in the history of the world. (laughs) Solomon's economy, that's the best in the history of the world. He was paid just Solomon's salary every year in tons of gold. Now, it actually says how many tons. If you look at it and do the math, your, your brain just melts. I'd like to have a couple of ounces. You know, a pound or two would set me up pretty good. Tons! Tons of gold. How do they even find this gold? I don't But he always knew the perfect thing 
to do. Because out of all the choices he could have taken in life, he asked God for wisdom. And as a result, this is why he writes uh, in Proverbs. Guys, listen to me. If you choose anything, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. Because once you get that, you get everything. He knew this at a personal level now. And he's encouraging others to do the same. It's great power in having wisdom. Now, of course, not everyone who's just casually says, oh, God, give me wisdom, is suddenly going to be loaded or anything kind of thing. Uh, and I think it's a lifelong thing, something you want to grow in in wisdom and learn. And, but it has to be done intentionally. You have to work at it on purpose. It just doesn't happen by itself. Um, no, 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 no. Without wisdom, life can turn out really bad. Now, here's a verse in the book of Amos. If you've never heard of the book of Amos, get in line. <laughs> it's one of these, they call them the minor prophets. In other words, nobody reads them. They're just they're little obscure uh, books in the Bible, in the Old Testament. A guy by the name of Amos. And he writes this phrase here in verse 19, 519. <clears throat> As if someone fled from a lion. Well, that seems to make sense. But then he was met by a bear. That's a bad day. Or went into the house and rested his hand against the wall. That seems reasonable. But then was bitten by a snake. This is a bad day. It's when, despite what you think is the right thing to do, the reasonable thing to do, somehow it just turns out wrong. Anybody ever been there before? That's two-thirds of my life. Bears and snakes. <laughs> but you learn, if you're going to look for wisdom, and you learn not to do the same stupid things over and over again. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Well, what is the end result of that? The end result of that is gaining wisdom. It says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. When things work, supposed to work, they work. When they're supposed to work on time, they work on time. And whose leaf does not wither. And check this out. Whatever they do prospers. Now, I know everybody listening to me wants that kind of life. They want a long, healthy life, and they want whatever the version of riches and honor uh, for them. And what the Bible is saying over and over and over again, you can have this if you seek out wisdom, wisdom and understanding. So the question is, where do we find this wisdom? Well, Psalms was very clear. The person who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night tends to be filled with wisdom. This is why we should read the scriptures. There is great wisdom that comes from reading the scriptures. I know a lot of people don't read the Bible, and to them it seems like an onerous, heavy burden. Oh, I got to read the Bible. I got to read the Bible. And they read like three verses, and their eyes glass over, and they pass out at night. Uh, and, and I get that. But when you start to understand what's there, the potential of that impact it has on your life, it changes your perspective. This is why you want to read the Bible. It will fill you with insights, wisdom, to know the right thing to do, the right thing to ignore, 
Uh, and so that, as the psalmist wrote, whatever you do succeeds. Whatever you do succeeds. Man, that's what I want for my life, okay? And, uh, and I feel God has blessed me greatly in this area, but I'm certainly not perfect by any stretch because I still have a big book of what I should not have done. But, uh, but I've prospered and God has blessed me and succeeded far beyond my education and everything else because God has blessed me with a degree of wisdom I still fail miserably at times. But the point is, the more you're filled with wisdom, the more you're likely to succeed in your life, whatever you choose for your life. So you get this by reading the Bible. I just want to encourage you more and more. Read the scriptures. It is life-changing. It is energizing. It is the life of God. It's the thoughts of God being poured into you. Because if there's anybody who has a lot of wisdom, it's God. He pretty much knows what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Now, you can do whatever you want. And sadly, most people do. But the end result is back talking about Moses. Life or death. A lot of people, their life is just marred by death. Not physical death, but everything. Well, sometimes physical death. Everything they touch just seems to die. Nothing seems to work. Everything's horrible. Life sucks. They're always moaning and groaning. Even Christians, because they never seek after wisdom. And everything is like Eeyore. Remember Eeyore? Cloud, wasn't there a cloud over him all the time? Everyone, oh, bother. Oh, bother. Got to go to church this morning. Oh, bother. Oh, they're taking an offering. Oh, my God. Oh, bothers. Don't want to live that way. The scriptures will fill you with great wisdom. That's why I want to encourage reading other Christian authors. Not just the Bible, but also look. There's all kinds of wonderful Christian books out there that will empower you and give you, to one degree or another, wisdom for your life. Last week, All Saints Day, we talked about the connection that we have with all believers all over through the world and even throughout history. Uh, and that there is actually a connection, a live connection that is still there. And you can still read, as I mentioned last week, you can still read uh, writings of some of these saints of old. They're really fascinating. They're writings back 2,000 years ago, uh, the first few hundred years of Christianity. Along the way, there's great things. There's gold to be found in them in their hills, but you got to do it. You got to do it on purpose. And then finally, one of the great ways of gaining wisdom is to listen to people who have already lived life successfully. Uh, in our culture, Western culture generally despises old people and they rob themselves of wisdom. And as a result, we tend to be a nation oftentimes that's just dumb and does stupid things because the wisdom that the aged has is usually ignored. Many cultures around the world, it is exactly the opposite. They revere their elders. Why? It's their culture. It's their understanding. This is how we gain wisdom. This guy's been around for almost 100 years. You know, they actually listen to these people. I was watching a movie. It's a good movie. It's a, what's it called? 12 Horses or whatever. Is that what it's called? It was when these guys first went to uh, Afghanistan after the 9-11. What was the name of that movie? No, not 12 Hours. Well, I'm glad everybody watched watch this movie. Whatever it's called. Anyway, they're riding horses. In Afghanistan. Am I the only one who saw this movie? Apparently I am. Wow. Good movie. You ought to check it out. You seen this movie? Twelve Strong. How many have seen Twelve Strong? 
Oh, yeah. Everything else I said had no connection to you. <laughs> You're like computers. You have to put a space and put missions or nothing connects. 12, 12 strong. Anyway, there's a scene in here where they come into Afghanistan and uh, the guy leading the message, played by Chris Hemsworth. He's a, he's a pretty boy, right? He's a, I, I, I see him. It's like looking in the mirror. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And uh, so, so pretty boy, Hemsworth, he's just big, you know. And uh, when the leaders of the Afghans first met them, they walk right past him. And they walk up to the oldest guy in the group and hug him and kiss him. And Hemsworth's like, hey, hey what, are you, what are you doing? I'm in charge here. And it took them a while to get it in their heads that, no, he's older than you. He's a, because they understand. See, that's the kind of culture that we live. There is great wisdom to be gathered from people. Some of you young people. And I love it. Sometimes we get into mentoring, uh, like couples mentoring and stuff. Uh, one of the best things you can do is connect with an older couple who've actually been married for more than a week and a half. <laughs> and, and some of you geezers like me, you've been married. How many here have been married at least 40 years? Look, look at that. And you're still breathing. That's an amazing thing, see. Yes. Debbie and I made 45, and, and she couldn't take it anymore. But uh, I'm just teasing. She cancer got her. But uh, uh, there's, you want to talk to people? How to do You know who you don't want to talk to? Another 20-year-old. How can I make a right decision about romantic life? Well, yeah, let's go talk to someone who's as clueless as you. How about that? How about not? How about we connect? Get wisdom from your parents, your grandparents. You pull stuff. When you start to understand this concept of wisdom, it's something that you choose and intentionally go about it. And the Bible talks about it as, as like digging for it. You kind of got to dig for it and look around and see. And digging is work. It's energy. Now, I just bought a little tractor with a backhoe. And it's a lot easier than regular digging. But even then, it takes a while especially when you don't know how to run the stupid thing. <laughs> we have stumps, all these old stumps on our property. When I first got it, I said, how long does it take to pull up a stump with that thing? I said, about, about a half hour, three and a half hours later. And I haven't done a stump since. I mean, it just took too long. <laughs> at some point, I got to get these stumps out. I'm thinking dynamite at this point. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Three and a half hours was maddening to me. I don't have that long of an attention span. But anyway, you got to dig. You got to dig intention to find stuff. Oh, in this case, I just want to move stumps because there's nothing else on our property but rocks. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, <laughs> the point of all of this very simple message, be intentional. Look for wisdom. Just don't go skating by in life. Don't read your Bible. Don't look for anything. Don't, you know, ask anybody's opinion about it. Don't, you know, be a successful businessman. Find a successful businessman who's more successful than you and pick his brain. You know what's amazing? They like that. Successful people like to be asked what they think. They do because we're all a little narcissistic, right? And, uh, well, well, this is what I would do. Da, da. And, and it's not like these, I love about successful businessmen. They're willing to share anything they know if you just ask them. It's not like they figured out success and now they don't want anybody else to know it. <laughs> my precious, my precious. That's not the way they think. You ask them, how'd you do it? This is how I did it. 
This is what you ought to do. But we don't think that way in our culture. Just all of that to say, dig around, be intentional, read your Bibles, look for insight, talk to people who've been successful in life, and get as much information as you can. Why? Because there's something amazing there. Because if you can find wisdom, there is a long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. Amen. All right, so now we're going to go into our time of communion this morning. So I said that all of this is about making choices. And what we do when we celebrate communion is the fact that uh, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. His body was broken for us so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. This is what we've chosen. And, uh, and if you haven't done that in your life, I hope that you will choose to follow Christ so that your life too can be blessed beyond measure uh, more than you could ever imagine, uh, truly. And I'm not exaggerating. That doesn't mean everybody rises to the level of King Solomon. Clearly, I haven't, and nobody else I know has. But I'll tell you what, my life's a way better position today than it was many years ago. Why? Wisdom, patience, grace, God's grace in our lives. So we're going to celebrate that now. Uh, Jesus told us when we gather together to do this as often as we can. So we're going to uh, take communion together. And before we do this, the Bible encourages us to take a moment to examine ourselves. So we're going to do this now. This is a time weekly we get together and we just pray to make things right. And as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over us, if there's anything you can think of that you shouldn't have done or, or, or you should have and you didn't or whatever, in your own words, you can just talk to God, set things straight, keep short accounts with, with the Lord. And, uh, and then after we've searched our hearts and prepared our hearts, then we'll take communion all together. Uh, so let's bow our heads as I say this prayer. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we've done or by what we've left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as we're in a moment of prayer, our heads bowed, talking to God about things in our lives. Maybe you're listening to me this morning in the service here over in Stevens Point the Fox Valleys, maybe watching online somewhere at home or whatever. If you've never taken that first choice, that first step of faith, let me encourage you, do it right now. In your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, I choose you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life. And you can begin your first steps of faith this morning and start to experience this amazing transformation that happens as we are presented with life and death choices and we choose life in Jesus' name. Amen.